This is Health Matters with Sipla. Hi, I'm Ryan O'Connor. This is Health Matters, a podcast series by Sipla. Now, with the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccination in South Africa, there's been a lot of uncertainty about the possible implications of people living with HIV. When it comes to HIV, COVID-19 and vaccination, do we know enough? Joining us today on the podcast is Professor Francois Fenter from the University of the Witwatersrand. Prof, thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, now, let's start at the beginning. Is there an increased risk of COVID-19 in HIV-infected people, Prof? So the data is there's definitely increased risk of poor outcomes, of hospitalization mm. and death. Um, we've got amazing data from Cape Town. The UCT public health people put out a report last year, probably the largest of its kind in the world still to mm. date, um, showing about a 20% increase in people with HIV in terms of mortality compared to HIV-negative people. And WHO just this week has published um, research demonstrating even greater um, increase in hospitalization and death in the, those groups. Having said that, that 30% increase is not the kind of thing you see in the elderly or the diabetics okay. where you see eight times the the risk. So th- it's definitely worrying and it definitely means that people with HIV need to kind of get to the front of the queue in terms yeah. of vaccines. Yes. But they don't need to panic in the okay. same way that, you know, I would be panicking about an elderly relative, sure. my father or, or family members. Is it across the HIV population as a whole, Prof, or is it specific people, example where HIV is not controlled, the CD4 count might be a bit too low, or if they are not on treatment? So it's probably a good idea to be on ARVs and to have your viral load under control as an absolute priority. And it's probable that not being those things, you know, sort of not being on ARVs, having a low CD4 count is going to mean that you're going to see the worst of COVID. The Cape Town data, interestingly, didn't show a, a correlation between viral control and poor outcomes, which we would have expected. But the, but the data that was um, released this week by WHO actually did show that, said that people with lower CD4 counts did worse. I think the message is just get on your ARVs as quickly as possible, get your HIV virus under control, and it's probably the best armor you have for dealing with COVID. Is HIV specifically then associated with severe COVID disease, COVID pneumonia perhaps, or the need for hospitalization? You know, it does seem like that being HIV positive does render you more vulnerable to to the worst outcomes of COVID. And that's, you know, pneumonia is part of that in hospitalization. So, yeah, it's the kind of risk you're talking about is increased. But it's important for people with HIV, not as I said, not to get too freaked out by this. It's the same level of risk as being male, Yes, for instance. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. People don't talk much about the fact that you know, men have worse outcomes than women. And that's the kind of thing HIV does. It does increase your risk. It's not in the scale of diabetes or these other comorbidities. Does HIV affect the immunity one would get from antibodies created in the body after the primary infection? So we don't know that yet. The data we have at the moment is relatively um, reassuring that the vaccines and if you do get COVID that you kind of have the same responses um, that an HIV negative person would have. Yes. So, you know, we see this with all the other vaccines in HIV is is generally if your immune system is, you know, a little bit hammered from just delaying your ARVs, so you're either not on ARVs or you've started them very late, the vaccines generally don't work as well. Um, okay. It's not that they don't work, they just don't work as well. So we still give them in those situations, yes. but we anticipate that you may need further boosting in the future. Because that was going to be, you know, uh, if you're listening and you possibly are HIV positive, uh, would you then advise going for the vaccination against COVID-19? Absolutely. There's actually no 
there's no one who shouldn't get the vaccine yes. for COVID-19. Yes. There's a debate as to whether people with who've just had COVID-19, when they should get it. And yeah. many of us think you can delay it quite safely once you've, if you've had the virus. But for HIV positive people, just get the vaccine. There is, yes. Take 10 people with you so they can get it at the same time. Got you. You know, the, the, the vaccine is so safe. Yes. It's not, 1,000% safe. Yeah, There's yeah, no such thing. That's 99.999% safe. And we we haven't seen any problems in HIV-positive people who've, who've received the vaccine. Professor, is there one vaccination that's more preferable than the other? You know, there's been a lot of talk about vaccinations and people are in this day and age, you know, you go, which one did you get? And oh, I got the Johnson and oh, I got the whatever. <laughs> I got the, the Pfizer, whatever. You, you, you kind of, and then you kind of relieved that you didn't get the, 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 the one that's got a better rating than the other one. Um, when it comes to HIV, is there, is there one specifically uh, of, of the, or they're all the same in terms of the vaccinations? No, and in fact, the advice is the same for the general population as it is for HIV. Just get the first one that gets offered to you. Yes, now, yes. I, I, I often, like it's funny to me because a year ago, I joined one of the vac- the very first vaccine studies, the J&J one, in fact. Um, yes. Sorry, the AstraZeneca one. I got the J&J one as the Sasanke one. Okay. And I remember looking at the data and at the time, people were saying, maybe we'll get something that's 50% effective. <laughs> now we've got vaccines on 99 you know, percent. Yeah, uh, it's mad. It, it is mad. And I think one of the funniest things is watching, I, the way I, when people tell me, oh, I want the Pfizer rather than the J&J, I, I often say it's like having two luxury German cars exactly. um, <laughs> offered to you and one's cup holder is slightly bigger than the other. And honestly, yeah. there is nothing to choose between the different vaccines at the moment. Just get the first one. The J&J one's a little bit more, uh, you know, it's just one shot rather than two. Yes. So you get the immunity quicker. So there's a benefit there. The Pfizer and Moderna, we haven't got Moderna here yet. No, yet. But the Pfizer one seems to set up some sort of slow-grade immune responses that actually mean your immune system grows steadily with the Pfizer one. So, you know, but as I said, you're you're comparing, you're looking to amazing gift horses in the mouth um, if you're trying to choose between them. Professor, we hear a lot about, you know, once people have gone and I talk about the general population again going, oh, well, you know, I didn't get any side effects. Oh, I got a little bit of a headache. I got a cough the next day. Uh, Does HIV affect how a person responds to the vaccination in terms of some of the symptoms that one starts to show after the vaccination? So we haven't seen anything yet. Um, You know, uh, HIV positive people do have often weird immune responses to to certain sort of immune challenges. So you often see like even mosquito bites and insect bites. They, yes. they often will have a strange reaction. We haven't seen it with any of the vaccines yet. So at the moment, the advice is again, the same as for the general population, which is you know, a little bit of a sore arm. You might feel yes, a bit yeah, like, um, sweaty. I certainly did. You know, I woke up the, the, the night I had both the vaccines for 10 minutes with night sweats. And mm. I was feeling, I was just a bit out of sorts for a day or so. And that's the vast majority of people. In the studies, actually the minority of people have side effects. But I must say, my maybe it's just health professionals are a bit wussy. But they, <laughs> um, but most of them have had like a day yes. or two out. And some people, it's not insignificant. You know, yes, I've no. had one of my staff members was in bed for two days. But like compared to the virus, it's sure. like nothing to compare. And then, Professor, you get those that don't get any side effects. And, you know, then they complain that they didn't get any. They're like, well, you all got headaches and, and you got yeah. the sweats and you're showing symptoms. It means <laughs> it means that your body's preparing the fight against COVID. I didn't get anything. Should I be worried? I'm like, really? You're worried about not getting any side effects? Yeah, <laughs> no, completely. And then people run along to the pharmacy and get yeah. an antibody test that comes back negative. And the problem is that those antibody tests are designed for people who had COVID, not for the vaccine. Yes. So they yes. often don't test for the right antibody and that's Correct. why they get come back negative. So we've had sure. so many healthcare workers phoning into helplines saying, gosh, you know, I, I went to go and check if it worked and I, I, I'm negative. 
you know, it's still working. And yes. that's the phenomenal thing about this, is how effective this vaccine is from keeping you out of hospital. It doesn't keep you from getting the virus, but it keeps you out of hospital. I love that. And I, I wish people would understand it. You know, it takes uh, the, the population on a, on, a, on a whole a long time to realize what the vaccination's for. You know, people think that I've been vaccinated. I can, I now COVID won't touch me. I can now take my mask off. I can live. I can, I can be COVID free. I mean, the, the whole point is to keep us a, a uh, alive. I think that's the most important thing uh, is yes, some, some people that are vaccinated might end up in hospital. Sure. But the most important thing is that by and large, people aren't going to die from COVID and those, Absolutely. those Death, uh, the mortality rate globally has rapidly come down due to the vaccination in place. Um, so now, Professor, we've established that there's no different uh, difference in the side effects um, in terms of uh, people living with HIV. Are ARVs for COVID-19 for prevention or treatment out of the picture? No, and it's interesting. A study just came out in the last three weeks, um, starting, a Spanish study starting to look at tenofovir, which is yeah. kind of the component of our ARV program and has been for the last, you know, 15 odd years and certainly in the state sector in the last 10, that's yes. been a staple. It's an incredibly safe drug. And there is a lot of interest in looking at that to try and prevent COVID. We, I must say uh, the preliminary data wasn't very promising, but this recent mm. study is more interesting. And there's, we're doing a whole lot of studies looking at a whole lot of different drugs to try and prevent and to treat to prevent COVID, much like the vaccine, and to to treat early COVID. Because at the moment, we've got lots of stuff to offer once you hit hospital. But that horrible phase where you, yeah. you're sick, but you don't deserve hospital yet, we have nothing to offer other than sort of panado and a kiss on, dis socially distanced kiss on both cheeks. It's, yeah, you know, it's yeah, kind of a, yeah. you know, just go home. It's like all the colds, which is just sure. kind of bed rest and look after yourself type advice. So certainly the Cape Town data I mentioned earlier, there was no indication that being on ARVs prevented severe COVID. So people on HIV who aren't successful ARVs just mustn't feel protected because of that yet. We, you know, we, we'll wait for that data to okay, come in. Okay, got you. You've seen three waves, the country has, but you probably closer than many. Beyond what we've seen in research studies, what have you personally seen in real life in terms of, you know, with COVID and HIV specifically over the past three waves? So with the HIV, it's been really hard to tell, you know, because mm. the virus has just kind of torn its way through everybody. So yeah. it's very, I can't hand on heart tell you there's anything different between the HIV positive populations we have. And we've done quite a lot of studies on them and the HIV negatives. In our clinical studies where we have lots of people with HIV being you know, closely monitored, we haven't had a single death. We've had a few hospitalizations, but not a single mm. death yet. You know, so again, I can't hand on heart tell you that there's any difference between HIV positive and HIV negative populations. Sure. I think the thing that maybe just for your listeners, I think that scares me about COVID and I'm sure everybody on the call who's listening now knows somebody who's died of COVID. I've yes. been so struck at how many people I know died in this third wave. But I'm also so struck at people who've survived COVID, how irritating the symptoms are afterwards. In some weird way, I'm actually more scared of that. Yeah. You know, when this thing came along, I was like, oh, you know, let me get it. It's just a respiratory virus. You know, I'm healthy. I'm, you know, I don't have diabetes. I don't have any major comorbidities. I'll probably be fine. Yeah. Now I, I see healthy people around me who can't, you know, who were mountain biking and, yeah. Yeah. You know, and running and stuff. And now they can't. They can't do that three months after they had the infection because they're so short of breath. So, Prof, it's again, amazing that you say that. Uh, I was literally today, I was with a former top South African, and actually he was one of the world champs in surfing. The fittest, healthiest, uh, mid-40-year-old uh, adult that I know uh, and literally lives, spends his life in the waves, super lean, extremely fit. Three months 
ago diagnosed with COVID, um, was out for, a, for two weeks, got it pretty badly, thought he'd slowly attempt to get his life back. And obviously he's been missing the waves, lives in Cape Town. Um, this past weekend went out to go and, and catch a couple of waves. As we speak, he is absolutely and utterly man down. Uh, he said he couldn't wow. explain it. He said three months after he'd think that now he'd be okay to get out in the water. Just that physical exercise, he said he can't breathe. He went to see the, uh, the, uh, the doc yesterday, this morning, and the doc's put him off for another month, said, take it easy. You have no idea. And he said, I can't believe it. Three Three months ago, I had COVID. That's no, vicious. It's I horrible. can hardly breathe. It's three months later. And it's not just your physical ability. We we have a chef who reported who was infected in the second wave who lost all sense of taste. Now, you can imagine how his career is over. Jeez. Luckily, it's starting to come back. But it's yeah. six months later, now it's starting to come back. You know, the, the, the disability associated with this virus, both sure. the physical one you're describing with your, your surf and yes. this guy is, you know, it's his bread and butter yeah. is very, very scary to me. Yeah. Um, Prof, there's still, believe it or not, people that are anti-vaccination. This, unfortunately, right now, and this is the question, this is what, what we need to do right now. This is the only solution that we have to fight COVID-19. Yes, it is. And, you know, the thing about the vaccine, there's vaccine hesitancy, which is a whole mm. shade of gray. There's some yeah. people who say, listen, can you just explain to me a bit more carefully what's, what's going on here? And then they'll, they'll come around. Yeah. The people who are saying, you know, I'm scared this, the research was rushed, which it wasn't, by the way. It, it was yes. actually really done well. Yeah. Or saying, you know, I'll, I'll wait a bit and see better safety profiles. And I honestly... I think they underestimate how many people have been vaccinated already. It's over 3 sure. billion people yes. have had vaccines. So we know these things are very, 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 very safe. Yeah. And then finally, you get the kind of people who are, you know, this, who are conspiracy theorists and nothing's <laughs> going to change their mind. You know, up is yeah. down and uh, you know, left is right and black is white. It's, yeah. it's impossible with those yes. people. The, the beauty of the, the, it's actually quite horrifying on the one hand, but it's reassuring for those of us who worry about these things. Yes. This is not measles. No. When people don't get vaccinated against measles, they put other people at severe, severe risk. Sure. What's going to happen with this virus is it's going to circulate and circulate and circulate. So those people who are vaccine denialists or don't want to get the vaccine for whatever reason, yes. they're going to get it eventually. It's either going to be in the fourth wave or in a year yeah. or two's time. Yes. Those of us who are vaccinated are probably going to infect them. Because you get low-level virus and you just you transmit it. So yes. eventually, you're going to get it. You're yeah. either going to get vaccinated or unvaccinated. And yes. to my mind, I'd much rather I'd get rather, vaccinated. Yeah. And, and my, my argument is, and it's not an, uh, from, from any other educated point other than if the world's greatest minds, and I'm talking about the likes of yourself, I mean, you don't have a professor in front of your name for nothing. <laughs> you know, I would like to think that if you have had the vaccination, uh, Prof, that, that then pretty much me, uh, who more, more than likely has a matric and a couple of years of theology behind his name, uh, surely should take my lead and example from those that know. Uh, they would certainly not inject themselves with anything. That's, and, and that's my point only. When people ask me and say, how do we know? I said, because the world's greatest minds have done it and they wouldn't do it if it wasn't safe to do so. I, I, I would caution your listeners about one thing, you know, is that it's good to be skeptical about medical minds. Yes. We have some nutcases in my profession. That, I mean, you'll You've all heard about the ivermectin yeah. stuff and yes. everyone's going yes. on about it. Yes. And there are major anti-vaxxers, even in um, yes. academic medicine. You yes. know, Tim Noakes is one of them, unfortunately. Yeah. And people need to understand is that, you know, be skeptical. But what I find is useful for me is to follow people who are calm. Yes. You know, if they're highly excitable and they're all over Twitter and they, you know, they're screaming blue murder and conspiracy theories and how they're being shut down 
be a little bit skeptical about those opinions. If they're sure. putting stuff forward in the academic literature and arguing it carefully and not being excitable, those are the people I tend to listen to harder than the, yes. the inflammatory voices. I love that totally unbiased opinion about how you should be doing your research because you are spot on. We become too caught up in uh, the frenzy uh, that is should we or shouldn't we and we are kind of get excited by other excitable people uh, and that kind of makes us and casts doubt in our minds. But I love that approach. Uh, Prophet, it's so refreshing talking to you today and uh, and hopefully to, to a massive degree we've put a lot of people's mind at ease as to uh, side effects, as to vaccinations for HIV positive uh, living people and like I said, it's it's really been great to chat with you today. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Prof. Uh, thanks for listening to Health Matters, everybody. Uh, it's in partnership with Sipla. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and review the show. And of course, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. You've just enjoyed Health Matters with Sipla. 